As much as people depend on us as leaders, you need someone who believes in you. You need a place to be open and honest with someone who's walked in your shoes and wants to help you become the leader you are meant to be. This is that place with those kind of people. Welcome to the Relational Leader Podcast with your host, Randy Bazet. Each episode will sit down and engage in life-giving conversation, unpacking leadership's greatest challenges. And now, your host, Randy Bazet. Welcome to the newest episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. I'm Kristen, and as always, Randy. Yes, staring across the table right here. You know? We find ourselves here regularly. Right Lately, there's been quite, we've recorded quite a few of these. We are in recording season. It is. We are. But it's fun. I kind of like to do it like that. And this whole season thing that we've been doing and launching, mm-hmm. so you can kind of binge, binge podcast. Yeah. Is that a thing? I mean, not people binge on series with Netflix I may or, or may not do that. You may. Uh, <laughs> I definitely You do. led with may instead of may not. Right, I have a feeling there's right. more mays than may not. Right, right. We all do. We're all guilty of that. Yeah. We just kind of binge watch stuff. And so hopefully people will be able to binge on some of this and, and it'd be helpful. Absolutely. And we're in a, a series right now on soul care. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that. How long could we go with this season? A long time. It, it just, a long it's time. a mess right now. Is our country, our world seems to be in uh, in a state that it's, I know I've never seen, it's not like I'm that old, I mean, I'm 53, but God, it just seems like, you know, we talk about this pandemic that we've been yeah. in for two years now, yeah. this mental health phase and soul care issues in people's and pastors' lives seems to be of epidemic proportions mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we're talking about all of this. I am too. And I think it's one of those things that um, maybe hasn't been talked about as much as it should have been in the past, mm-hmm. which is part of maybe what's led us here. So it's a great uh, opportunity to be able to to talk, green room talk, real conversation, um, and for listeners to just be comfortable and, mm-hmm. and let's let's all help one another. Yeah. Um, we need Jesus, yep. um, but we need each other. and. Yeah, I mean, we could just say, hey, we're going to deal with mental health. Uh, Jesus is enough. All right, podcast over. See you later. Right, right. And and we all know that. But the reality is when we talk about things and we get wisdom from other people's experiences and and we listen and uh, it gives us the ability to learn through things. And that's the purpose. Absolutely. And we have a great guest and friend uh, joining us on the the podcast today, Pastor Emmy Vasquez. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing? And the crowd goes crazy. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Yes. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm excited about this. How's uh, Florida treating you all the way down from Massachusetts? I know. When I left, there was a storm. I was escaping snow <laughs> on the way down here. <laughs> I found out that I might be going back into some of it. Oh. Went from white snow to white sandy I beaches. Know. Have you gotten some beach time while you're down? Are you uh, a I'm beach? Are enough. you a beach guy? I am. I you am. Are. Okay. I haven't. Right. I got to get back into that, that bag a little bit. That I haven't really got into there, but the time will come. Okay. The beach is soul care for me. Yeah, yeah that's that. I'm glad I live in Florida. You know, fact. sunsets are beautiful. Fact. There's some therapy in all of that, and just the the rhythm of the waves. Well, and there is something it's about Amy's I can happy sit. Place too. And, oh, yeah. I could sit there, and it's just you know, God can handle why gravity. We, why and, didn't we do this podcast at the beach with some waves rolling in? Come Corey, on, Corey. 
Yeah. Corey, Producer, put on press some that wave. button. Let that Man, sound wave crash. sound machine. Oh, well, um, we are super honored that you would uh, join us for this conversation, this podcast. Um, really, we're focusing on the topic of mental health and the church, um, which is something that I think, you know, recently it's being talked more and more mm-hmm. about, um, but maybe we're a little behind on it. Um, but this is, you know, we just want to have an open conversation. I know this is a big passion point for you and your wife. You pastor life. Church up in Massachusetts area, and uh, this is a big passion point for you guys. Yep. Um, and so, you know, would you just kind of launch us into the conversation? Tell us a little bit why it's such a passion for you, what God's done, um, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot of questions for you. Well, as you ask, I just thought <laughs> <laughs> I thought initially that a lot of our passion points are kind of birthed out of pain points. Sure, mm. um, because I, I think there's there's something innate in all of us that says. You shouldn't have to experience that. And if I think I kind of made it through some of it, maybe I could throw a lifeline back at someone else to help pull them out. And maybe we can do this one person at a time. Um, So, yeah, going through my own journey in the launch of the church, I would discover years later, only after the fact that here I was thinking that um, we were helping God build the church. And all the while, God was using the thing that I thought I was building to build me. Wow. Hmm. So I was being groomed while I thought I was helping him groom and develop the body mm-hmm. of Christ, you know, the funny. Isn't it crazy? You, you think about it. So Noah was building an ark and his family was helping him build it. But it, the thing he was building saved his own family. Mm. Yeah. And it's yeah. kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. It ended up saving you and you yep. thought you were building it for somebody else. That's right. And I think, yeah. And I would have never. I, I think that, yeah. Man, my mind is running in so many different areas because I think the leadership podcast and I think people leadership and not only was we affected as leaders, but all of the people leaders that we had surrounded around us during that time really played a major role in helping us. So we would uh, launch the church. It would grow fast at that time period. And in the process, I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And in it, it would begin to squeeze me and everything in me would start to seep out. Whether I was conscious or unconscious, of it and I think that's big I think a lot of times when it comes to soul care there are those things that you are aware of but then there's tremendous areas that you're unaware of yeah. mm-hmm. unaware there's tremendous unawareness and I think that that's attributed and this is I'm not a clinician let me just say that I'm not a doctor I just fell in love with the brain and neurology as a result of my own diagnosis of being diagnosed with PTSD and as a result I would go to all of these classes and things and begin to understand the brain which helped me tremendously as I take, what does my Bible say about it? But what does the science say about it? Mm. So to me, I never was one of those Christians that just said, let me throw away the science because science is antithetical to scripture. I always believed there was a marriage between. Oh, there, there is. Yeah, absolutely. It should prove what the scripture is teaching us, that, the principles. 100% agree. Mm-hmm. I believe that God is a scientist. I believe that that's one of the theological terms. And I'm not trying to be you know, super theological, but omniscience is all science. It's all knowing. So. God is the ultimate scientist, so he just gives us a window. The things that we discover today is because he's, through his grace, has peeled back the curtain and allow us to see the stuff. So when we discover something, he doesn't go, oh, I never thought of that. (laughs) Facts. Right. So with that being said, just have you you realize, has it occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Facts. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Truth. I'm here for those comments today. Well well done. (laughs) Okay, back to you, (laughs) Amy. Let me take the mic. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, where was I anyways? 
so when I would go God, through, so we, we would grow. Yeah, we would grow. The, the church would grow. It would just squeeze me, squeeze me so much so that everything on the inside would come out and it would come out. I would discover, I now say that relationships are mirrors in which we learn more about ourselves, in which we learn how to love others. We, we can't actually discover more about our own souls, I believe, without other people. Yeah. I think that the fastest way to grow is through, when I say connection, I just don't mean in a relationship with a spouse or I just mean around people. Mm-hmm. Different experiences that you bring to the table will begin to p- put pressure points on me. Mm-hmm. And as a result, those things begin to come out and I'm going to discover more about me. And I in the development of the church, begin to discover a lot about my own soul, mm. a lot about my own soul. Now, I come from a lot of trauma in general, so I come into the church world attempting to start a church, but I would bring baggage that was, uh, some of it that was explored, some of it that I was conscious about, some of it that I was unconscious about, some of it that was dealt with, some of it that I thought I dealt with. Um, and all of that will be there, and then I would just be running forward and recognize that there was a lot that I had yet to actually do the work on until this thing would begin to just grow. And then I didn't, I, there was so much shame around asking for help. Mm. That, wow, that's you, an important topic. Yeah, there was so much shame in regards to just asking for help that um, I thought I was supposed to be the leader, so therefore the undealt with issue was, I thought I, ha- I was supposed to have all the solutions, but what if you're running out of solutions and you're that person? Well, the shame said, don't tell anybody. So then at that moment, I begin to kind of like contemplate um, how many people in my role of starting churches begin to commit suicide as a result. And it was that exploration, that flirtation with Google that somebody would see the email or rather see the Google search and it would lead to my wife discovering at the time and and then staging an intervention, if you will. Mm -hmm. I walked into the office that Monday and all my overseers were in there. And in essence, they began to just, hey, Emmy, sit down, we need to talk. Wow. And when they brought up the subject of what, what the, the accountability software had discovered, at that point, I think, in retrospect, I just submitted to the whole process. I felt like the gig was up. I was quote unquote caught. And I thought, well, since they already pulled the blanket back, let me just admit, this is how I've been thinking. And I don't have any answers or solutions and I need help. So it was a matter of just like, I kind of like collapsed at the on, for the, on the mercy of the court. And was mm. just like, mm-hmm. this is where we're at. As opposed to resisting, fighting, um, having a blind spot. Everybody else is wrong. You guys don't know what you're talking about. And then it starts to manifest in other ways, you know? Because if you don't get the help, your body has to channel that, inf- that energy. And yeah. this is what leads to a lot of self-medications and hiding sin. And then next thing you know, there's things happening so you know i want to go back to the the shame part that you talked about because i i I think that that is a a real reality of a lot of people and a lot of podcast listeners uh, because they're in ministry they're in places that are seeing their lead pastors there and they feel like they can't go and say hey i'm struggling with Mm -hmm. this um what 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 do they do How, how how did I mean, in your case, there was kind of an intervention, but what if there isn't? Mm-hmm. What gets them? Right. But th- here's a question, question I want to ask. Great thought. You probably, you were feeling shame beforehand, so you probably wanted to talk about it or deal with it, but you couldn't because of the shame. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that, right? Did When they did the intervention, when they showed up, did you all of a sudden feel that the shame was off because, the, like you said, the curtain was pulled back? People knew about it now. 
So was the shame of what you were dealing with it? Was it in some way like lessened because now people knew? That's the that's the dichotomy of shame. It's almost like, okay, so shame is about having eyes on you when you're not ready to have eyes on you. But then as you as the shame is exposed and you get it under the light, there's a sensation of vulnerability that I'm being seen now, okay? But then you realize that shame almost comes in layers because as you were able to deal with that and it was exposed per se, now you got to deal with, okay, are you willing to do what it takes now to dig deeper under what caused the Google search? Because we're talking about the shame of just the conversation starter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. It just got started. We just started to have this discussion. And so as we begin to take more and more steps and it got closer to me confronting me, Mm. It wasn't me confronting the church. It wasn't me confronting anything else. It was me confronting me. Well, if you were, if you were to been doing that, confronting others, then you weren't ready yet to deal with the real issue. That's it. And I think that's it. You bring up a great point because I think, um, in essence, everything when it comes to soul care, there's a lot of blame points. Like we can easily blame this is the reason why I'm like this. But I think ultimately, no matter how far back you go generationally, you always have someone to blame. I think the way we turn a generational patterns that are negative into generational blessings is that somebody takes ownership no matter who's to blame. Does that yep. make sense? Yeah. So at some yep. point you just say, okay, I got a lot to point to to say, okay, this is the reason for my pain. This is the reason for this. This is the reason. And all that might be true. And it is all true. It's people's experiences. That's mm -hmm. right. And your body is really registering and recording all of that in addition to your mind being like a real closet, storing all of that trauma. But then at some point, while you might place the burden of some of that on all these different people that might have made up all of the, the pain that you might be under, at some point, ownership is the key. It really does unlock where you're going next. But, you you know, the reason why I asked the question, did shame seem to be somewhat lesser once they intervene? Because if people are dealing with it right now, there's got to be a launching point and maybe a conversation. Like somehow you were caught. You didn't want that to happen. But either, even so, the conversation happened. So some people out there aren't caught yet. Maybe they're still dealing with it. And if they can push through the conversation, like I need to talk to somebody about it, does that all of a sudden open the window then to Shane to lose its power over you? Yeah, I think that it slowly does, yes. Okay. I think it slowly does. The more you can begin to practice, I think that just because you say it one time doesn't mean that you have overcame it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, pra I think you, I think like when you think about the word shame, sometimes it's just heavy and nasty to even think about and say. I think we got to practice saying shame so we can get to the place because we all have it i personally believe that shame is not just an emotion it's an identifiable mark for mankind it actually is the reason we are the way we are that's me mm -hmm. i believe that i and don't i can prove that scripturally I, I think that's true to be scientifically so it's an identifiable mark about who we are and i think i used to say that you know i used to look at shame being a, a, a it is a painful thing I used to say it was negative, but I got to the place now in my life years later that I would begin to change my language and say, I think we need to honor shame. And what I mean by that is that um, I believe there's two master emotions. You got love on one side and then you have shame on the other. I think if we can get to the place that we can honor the shame in our lives, no matter what that might look like, not to run from it, but to honor it enough to not let it define us, but not to be afraid to look at it. Like I just got to look at it. 
So we all have shame points. I don't know what that might be. I don't know people's backgrounds and what brings them to the table. We all got something that we just, ah, I'm going to leave that alone. And there's probably some shame surrounding that. When we can get to the place where we just become a little bit more comfortable saying the word, and then eventually you can start to say the word, and then it's going to be attached to whatever the real issue is. I'm ashamed of this. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, just practice with it that maybe privately people can practice. I'm going to get out of this dark place. I will get comfortable with talking about the suicidal ideations. I'm going to get comfortable talking about the shame that surrounds my pornography use. I'm going to get comfortable talking about this excessive drinking I'm doing that no one knows about. I'm going to get comfortable talking about um, I've been smoking a lot of weed, depending on where you live and things of that nature. I'm going to get comfortable talking about I think sometimes even practicing that privately Mm -hmm. starts to massage the muscle of the idea so that you can at least be risky enough Mm -hmm. to maybe approach an overseer, um, a person that you trust, maybe a spouse um, to mention it. Um, But there's got to be a risk. At some point, there's got to be someone risky enough to say, I got to take a risk and say it. Now, this is the catch-22 with this whole dynamic. You're going to take a risk. And if the person you tell doesn't reciprocate enough grace to help you with the exposure of your shame, it could push you back into a closet that says, see, this is why I don't trust anybody and I'll never say anything ever again. And this is why, this is why, this is why. Mm. And it's just something that we have to be uh, risky enough to keep Mm -hmm. trying again. Just, we got to keep trying. It's just something that you got to keep trying until your situation, your story can fall into the hands laps of a person, even if you have to pay for counseling initially. I got to practice saying this behind HIPAA. (laughs) But some people... They need to practice. Hey, you can't say anything. I'll sue you if you say anything. You need to start practicing somewhere. Yep. And I think that the more you're responsible for, if I could say it the way I want to say it, you just got to get over the fact that you are who you are. God has called you to be a leader. You're responsible for many, many lives. Your delay in confronting this issue it could lead to more disaster because you could be abusive with your power. Uh, sometimes you could, it could just oh, lead to a myriad, so a myriad totally. of so many different yeah. things that if you get used to, hey, I'm going to expose it and I'm going to keep practicing this so that I can, when I end my legacy, it, it ends stronger than maybe how it's feeling right now. And mm-hmm. there's a better side to every story. You may not be feeling that way when you're dealing with that shame. You know? <laughs> no, <laughs> it, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. yeah, so I don't even know if that answers all that. But No, I think it's so good. But I want to I wanna ask the flip side of that question from a, leader st- a church leadership perspective. So I love what you said, that that, that first you got to get comfortable saying these words and saying that I struggle with this. And, you know, you think about church, um, and in a lot of churches, there are certain words that are are like no no words. It's like you you they're not talked about that. Therefore, if you are uh, on church staff, maybe maybe you're listening. You're like, well, I don't think I can even say that to my pastor, or I could even say I'm having suicidal thoughts, or I'm struggling with this or that. Well, there are trigger so, things like legally that you have to do as well, and so it puts us, you know, as an employer. If if it does. So, but my question is. How do you create a a safe space or a, a culture even amongst your teams or you know your volunteer whatever as a leader <laughs> as as leadership where it is something that I, if someone comes to me I respond not judgmentally not as I'm better but to help them let that shame go and we can begin to walk forward in whatever the like how how do we do that how do we 
Wow. That's just a broad conversation. You mentioned a few things, Pastor uh, Randy, um, that was triggered as a result of what she was saying. Man, I, I think I was going to say, I think it starts at the top. However, but what do you do when the pastor himself is full of shame? So so then it becomes a little bit more challenging to help mm -hmm. those people who are coming to you to navigate those next if steps. If you haven't let So let's go talk about of... both sides then. Let's okay. say as the point leader, what do you do for your team? Whether you have a lot of staff or you lead a church that has a tons of volunteers, right. still got to treat them the same way. What could a point person do to create an atmosphere for people to be able to talk about these things and feel comfortable? Um, do, you, do you have some thoughts around that? Yeah, I, well, my, I don't know if this is like, this is not the total answer for all, but at some point, in order to get to the place where the person becomes comfortable, there has to be some kind of safe place. And I think we have to be honest with us whether or not we can handle that. Sometimes you can carry so much shame about a subject that if someone brings it up, you're not the best person to actually process that with. So you have to be <laughs> right. honest enough to be able to be like, I can't deal with that. Sure. And and be honest to be able. Now, once again, the individual, if the individual who's bringing it up hears that, then they feel almost less than again because it's just like, so, okay, so here's what I'm doing. They can't deal with it. So maybe I must be this horrible person. So there is this distinction between who I am and what I do. And because what I do carries so much shame, I have a tendency of making that mar my identity. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. So then I'm like, man, who am I? But I think that it starts with bringing it to the top and you can help navigate some of my commentary as I talk um, because I don't really know if if this is the total solution for all of it. I think it's about getting it into a place where we can start having a conversation yep. and then based on that information coming out, depending on what it is, because if we start talking about shame-based things, we could be talking about sensitive things that mm -hmm. we got to get them the proper care we may not be able to provide all the solutions. Then that puts you in a conundrum as a leader because you're mm -hmm. thinking, okay, if they were this honest, let's celebrate the transparency. Man, thank you so much for mm -hmm. trusting me. That one time a girl came up to me, told me she was raped, everything else, this is what happened. The first thing I said was, um, I'm honored that you trusted me with that story. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to bring validation yep. mm -hmm. to her voice so that she just, it wasn't violated in any way. I get it. Now, now going from there, depending on the lack of uh, care she's had in the past and what she needs to do, man, it puts us as leaders in, in a precarious circumstance because you're thinking, man, can you continue to function at a high capacity with, with some of these um, soulish blemishes? Are they, are, is it impairing your ability mm -hmm. to do your job? Is it affecting sure. you? Um, are you in counseling right now? Uh, I'm quick to tell people on my staff, I'm like, listen, if we're not qualified to help you, then we're not qualified to help you. But we want to encourage that you go see someone sure. who might be competent um, to assist you in it. And it's a journey. You say this all the time, Pastor Randy, about healing. It's not a destination. It's a journey. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so you're exploring these things and you're moving forward. Um, yeah, I think I think to go along with this, because as the point person, remember, it's the answering the question, what do I do as the point leader to help my team mm -hmm. have a safe space for that? I remember when our church was early on, and I know I'm not a clinician. I don't, I don't, I can't handle that. I don't even know what I'm, I'm doing. So I'm not going to counsel people or try to be that. So I started looking for someone in town, interviewing them and finding out their styles and their beliefs. And, and I found a counselor in town that I could then refer my team to. And so if you can talk about it, so give validation to it by talking about it. 
and then give them a place where they can go have like safe place to go talk about it. And, and I think that will help people to have a place. So, and if it's not with you, so they don't have to feel shame about talking to their pastor or their leader Mm -hmm. about it. So they have a safe place to do it. Now it'll be up to them to handle it. If it's suicide, in other words, there's things that they're going to have to deal with from a a legal side that they're going to need to handle, but at least they have a, a safe place. And I think if you really trust them, then as the point person, if you're dealing with that as well, then that's a safe place for you to go as well. And so, as you said, you start exercising this and it gives validation to it. It gives you the ability to talk about it more. So you then could have a person to go to as well. To me, I think that's what, that's what I would do. And we have, we have people that we send our staff Mm -hmm. and all to. And the reason why I think this is so important because we just had our leadership conference here a week ago and we open it up for people. If they want to speak to a counselor to talk about some mental health issues or whatever, we have our counseling rooms open up and they just schedule Mm -hmm. and they go and it's packed from the times the door open wow. at the conference to the very end That's they're just sad. packed with people like that and and so all they needed was a place to go that they felt safe a That's safe it. place yeah that's what they want mm-hmm. i think most people just want a safe place and they have trouble finding it at times because to some degree especially as leaders and pastors especially if they're employees of uh, and underneath you they almost feel like their job is always mm-hmm. at stake or maybe my pay is at stake and things yeah. can i really so you got to give them a safe place you got to mm-hmm. give them a safe place and i would say to anybody who's listening as well i would say that if you really desire healing I think that we can't run from the pain associated with the journey to get the healing that we need. Uh, oftentimes in the process of getting delivered, things might have to slow down for you because you got to confront certain baggage that might be hindering you. And don't look at the loss of the season. I know it's easier said than done, but don't look at the loss of the season that you're going through that seems to be tremendously painful as a total loss. In order for us to celebrate a res- resurrection, you got to have a Good Friday. You got to have a death on the cross. You got to mm. go through that experience. And so I'm saying that because somebody's going to be listening to this that's in a tight situation, thinking if I don't say anything, I'm going to hurt myself. If I do say something, I'm going to lose some stuff. I would rather you lose some stuff and yet be delivered on the other end than to not say anything and cause a self implosion. You hurt other people and it just gets worse. Right. So you're either going to fix it or you're going to fix it. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah. That's good. And the longer you wait, the higher the price is to pay. What's the old phrase years ago? Sin will take you further than you want to go, mm-hmm. keep you longer than you want to stay, cost, cost you more, more than, than you want to pay. pay. Yeah. So now's the time to. So you need a safe place to go talk to. Yeah. yeah. To so someone. I would say shame off you. If that starts, anybody listening, shame off you. Mm. The mantra typically in general is when we're trying to change your behavior, we say shame on you, thinking that's going to produce life change. It really doesn't. The goal is shame off you. Hmm. So take the shame off of you. Uh, and begin to take the steps necessary slowly but surely, whether it's with a private counselor or someone that you can trust, and begin to get this stuff out because if you don't kill it, it will eventually kill you. That's good. You know, I'd love to kind of close the conversation with just maybe some encouragement, if you could, for maybe somebody listening that um, they have tried to take that risk. You kind of mentioned this earlier that – it could happen where you're going to you're going to take risk and you're going to trust someone and you're going to it's not going to be received well. Um, how would you encourage someone that has encountered that and now they're sitting with it and they got a risk again? Yeah, I, I just say try it again. Like they're, this is not with all due respect, this is not rocket scientists like this is you got to keep you got to be risky enough to want the healing and the deliverance on the other side. Um, And it's all about that. See, the narrative of shame says, I fear 
they're going to disconnect from me. That's what shame is all about. It fears disconnection. It fears being seen. And really, there's a human connection aspect with shame. If I expose it, people leave me. Mm -hmm. And I think that you got to keep taking the risk to be seen so it can force connection. And that's why we're committed. I am so committed that if God has to use my life in a public way, no one's going to shame me away. It's provided that I don't do anything stupid and anything foolish, I am going to keep working on my life and keep exposing the, what the enemy tries to work against us, which is this shame narrative. Don't say anything, keep it a secret. I'm gonna keep exposing it and saying, let me show you how to repent publicly. Let me show you how to deal with this stuff. If I gotta deal with it and that's, my life has gotta be like that, I'm gonna keep doing it until we can massage this thing. So the answer to your question, I believe, is you have to take another risk. Mm. Yeah. And if it failed, you gotta take another risk. And you keep taking a risk because your life matters, even if someone gave you the impression that your life didn't. Well, that's what shame would say. That's right. That's because what of what I've done, I'm no longer loved. And if people find out, then they're going to love me less. But the truth of the matter is we have to rely that God's love loves us unconditionally. That's right. Mm -hmm. And we, we can only deal with the shame by exposing that. And I think there's too many people that are forgiven. They're just not whole. And we've probably taken it to God going, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And he, he does. Yep. I mean, the scripture does yep. not lie. Mm -hmm. Confess, First John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. But we confess to one another, and that's how we're made whole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, but shame will keep you from, as if God's going to love you less because of what you're dealing with. And that's the personal internal narrative that we have to overcome constantly. Everyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. We understand that. But the story we keep telling ourselves because of that real physiological feeling of shame, it convinces you otherwise. So it doesn't matter what the Bible says if I'm convinced that he's, he's, he's going to reject me. And that's the goal, to keep pushing against it. I just prayed. I met a guy who was in the church, just got out of jail. And I said, how long you been out? He said, two months. I said, listen, I'm going to tell you something that you may not know that I know. The shame that's going to run up against you, that's going to push you out, you need to make it to year five in order for you to really, really not fall into what they would consider a recidivism rate. I said, this is your verse. Don't throw away your confidence. Mm. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. Why did I do that? Because I knew that the answer to his shame is going to fall under the lens of either really understanding God's love or embrace confidence to keep push. I said, stay connected in church and don't lose community. But anyways. So good. Yeah. So good. Well, I, I want to thank you so much for sharing a little bit today. I know we could keep good. talking, and um, but for those of you listening, I hope you were encouraged and challenged to to have some real conversations and My take, man. take some risks. Practice Emmy, thank you. But uh, thank you welcome. for sharing. It's a great topic. Yeah, it is. You hit it right on the head. Yeah. Thank you. It's not a destination; it's a journey. Yes, yeah. and we're gonna all keep journeying. So let's start it. making the journey today. Yes, wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with, today. we believe on you and shame off you. Amen. Amen. Well, listeners, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation around the table at the Relational Leader Podcast. We will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. For more resources, visit randybazette.com.